Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 19. Here's Pastor Ryan. I don't need to go to the northern kingdom. I have everything I need in God. That's what that psalm says. I, my expectation is from God. You know, what do you need other than God? What do you need? That's what we teach our children. What do you really need? You, you need God, God's love, God's hope, God's grace, God's mercy, God's peace, God's riches, not the world's. Those things leave you empty. And so Proverbs 23 says in verse 17, do not let your heart envy sinners, nor be, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter and your hope will not be cut off. Don't envy sinners. Don't look up to sin. Be zealous for the Lord all the day long. He, he says all the day. Why? Because there is a hereafter. God sees. I think that some people are prosperous in a negative way. Oh, well, we've been talking about all prosperity negative, except for the prosperity in Christ, right? That's the positive prosperity. But I think that there's people that are prosperous in the sense of, of, of spiritually, they, they believe that they've attained. They believe that they are full and no need of like being that hardcore for God. They're out there. You may know some of them, Christians who, who, who have maybe a lot of scripture knowledge, a lot of uh, church knowledge, but you watch their life and they're like, they don't fellowship with anybody. They're not around. They don't go to church. There's no fruits really of the spirit. There's no, there's no joy. There's no nothing happening, but they have all this knowledge and you may think they have all this wisdom. You have to discern with people, with Christians. Are they, are they living lives where they think they're full, but really they're empty? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, same thing, Mount of Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Are we still hungry for the Lord? Are we still poor in spirit or are, are we prospering? Do we think that we're so prosperous spiritually that we don't need all this Bible? We don't need all this study. We don't need to pray like we used to. We don't need to serve the Lord like we used to. I, I have enough knowledge now. I have enough understanding. I've been to tons of Bible studies. I've been going to church for many years. I I, you know, my fingers smell like Bible. I, I'm in it so much. But, but there's no real humility. Like Paul says, I have not attained. There's no real humility of needing to learn still. We all have to learn still. We all have to be poor in spirit. Does that make sense? <laughs> 
If it didn't, would you say no? <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense. But right, right, I, you know, I want to be poor spiritually. I want to be poor spiritually. That way I keep praying and I keep seeking him. And that way he gets to keep filling up my cup and filling up my cup and blessing my life and filling me with the riches of heaven. And then God blesses your life when you're poor in spirit and you walk with him in humility and obedience and you seek him. You keep going to the well because you're humble and he's teaching you. You're still at church. You're still serving. You're not slowing down. Then he's able to bless. Everybody wants to be blessed quickly. Well, it was pretty quick when you put your faith in him and boom, he gave you the universe, eternal life. But if you want to be blessed materially, if you want to be have some stewardship of more good things, be humble. Be poor in spirit. Tell the Lord you don't got it together. No matter how much he gives you, you don't have it together. I'm looking at this place. I'm looking at what he's done. I don't have it together. I didn't do anything. I'm a debtor to Jesus Christ. He did all of this. And I want him to do more in my life. So then don't stop praying, Ryan. Show humility. Don't stop taking your eyes off him, Ryan. That's the key. There's a the pastor who ordained me with my pastor. He's a pastor named John Stewart. But he said to me, whatever got you this far, keep doing it. Jehoshaphat got far, and then what happened? He got complacency. The good news is we have the Holy Spirit to help us. Anyways, that was the intro. <laughs> All right, verse 1. Then Jehoshaphat. The king of Judah returned safely to his house in Jerusalem. And Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Therefore, the wrath of the Lord is upon you. Nevertheless, good things are found in you in that you have removed the wooden images from the land and have prepared your heart to seek God. So the Lord chastens those whom he loves, the Bible says, right? Your sin will find you out. And so basically he comes home. But how good is God? He cried out in that battle and God saved him from certain death. God's good. We learn that God sees your heart and my heart. How you sought him. The reforms you made in your life have changed. You got, got rid of some movies and some music and some things and language and things. And all the reforms in your life to, 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 to try to walk holy with the Lord. You've changed your life in that you go to church now all of a sudden. He who stole steals no longer. The partier is now sober. And all the change, all the reforms, all how you saw God, God doesn't forget that. And he didn't forget it with Jehoshaphat. And when he cried out, he spared him. And it said that he returned to Jerusalem in peace. He returned in peace, guys, in safety. But that trek, I would imagine, was a long journey. 
It's a long journey. Think about it. Part of his reforms was to get the word to everybody, the commandments, so the people were knowledgeable of what's right in God's eyes. We have been studying his word. We know what's right. What is our king doing up there? And then now he's coming down in shame. Good. Good. Shame is good. Jesus takes away our shame. God sent this prophet to work on Jehoshaphat's heart. And he said to him, look, dude, what do you, you know, he says to him, you know, should you help the wicked and love those who hate the Lord? Think about that comment. Should we do that? Should we help the wicked in their wicked schemes? The only, the only help that we want to give to the wicked is the help of the gospel. It would be wonderful if Jehoshaphat went up there and said, you guys need to repent. That's not what he, you know. Paul said, you know, you know, of course we're to hang out with the wicked of the world, right? With those that are lost so that we can witness to them, but not let them affect us negatively, not let them, you know, not do the things or partake in the wicked things that they do. But if they're open to the gospel, you give it to them for Jesus ate with sinners. But those sinners were open to the gospel. So if you're Christian and those wicked, you know, lost people out there are, 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 you know, have want nothing to do with God or your message, they won't respect your boundaries and just will use foul language around you and live like heathens at the worst, don't have nothing to do with them. Pray for them, but don't waste your time. God calls us not to connect with the wicked that way. Don't be unequally yoked with non-believers. We shouldn't make contracts with wicked people. You shouldn't get into a business venture. You shouldn't uh, co-sign a house. You shouldn't put yourself out in usury the, the, or surety, the Bible says, for a stranger, for the wicked. You're not to connect. You're supposed to connect with good people. But the lost, God loves them. We are to love them, but preach the truth to them if it's open. If not... Move to someone who's open, but don't make a pact like that. Don't go to, to war with them together as he did. And, and don't, you know, marry your son to Athalia, who Ahab's daughter is going to almost dev devastate. He, he, she does devastate the, the, line, the lineage of King David, almost, you know, destroys it all. The lineage from which our Lord would come through, that's what she does. And that's what it does when we try to connect with the world. I have a lot of old friends that, you know, I left, the, you know, the old life and I love them and I pray for them. But if they're not open, what am I going to do? You know, tell them, can I get you another beer? You know, I'm done. It's over. I'm too big. My life belongs to Jesus. I got to go to someone who's open. Amen. And so, nevertheless, good things are found in you. Verse 4. So Jehoshaphat dwelt at Jerusalem, and he went out again among the people from Beersheba to the mountains of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord God of their fathers. Now, that's just beautiful. You know, that's a man of God. That's how a woman of God should, should respond when they are confronted with sin and, and it's legit and, and the Lord brings a rebuke. The Lord brings a correction. The Lord brings, uh, you know, an exhortation. 
That's how a godly person, a humble person responds. And maybe it was that long journey from the north down to the south and the shame of he knows that they know that he messed up. That helped him come to the realization to just receive what the prophet said. And there are those who aren't keen on receiving correction from anybody. Am I right or am I wrong? In Proverbs chapter 10, verse 17, it says, He who keeps instruction is in the way of life, but he who refuses correction goes astray. Receiving correction isn't always easy, right? It, it, sometimes it, it depends who's given it. It depends how, how it's being given. Lord, help us to be humble. Bible says it's not good for he who, who is rebuked often and hardens his neck, right? It's not good. We give us a pliable, soft heart, humble heart before you, able to receive correction. You know, where we're able to receive correction even from a child, from children. Our children say, hey, you know, Papa, Mama, chill out. I don't think they've had to tell you guys that. <laughs> or maybe they have. That's why they're in our house, you know, to keep a good eye on us. To make sure that we act like Jesus in our homes. Many a times I've been corrected by my little ones. And it works so much. It breaks my heart. You can never be, don't, don't ever be too big in your own eyes to not receive correction. Be humble. Be meek. That's one of the tests, really, of serving in, in the church. Not that there has to be correction, but whenever it's that first correction, you know, we wonder, how are they going to respond? And generally, they respond well, because they know the Lord. And it's good. It's good. But sometimes it's not, and that's okay. Like Pastor Chuck used to teach us, not everybody can receive your ministry. Teach your, your children to, to honor correction, receive it. Sh share those scriptures with them. And look at the fruits. He went out and he brought them back to the Lord God of their father. So he went out before to align himself with the wicked king. Now he's going out. Again, but this time to bring people back to God. That's, that is godly repentance. That's what it should look like. You know, and I remember being told when I was early in my walk, my pastor said, as down as you were for your gang, be a hundred times more down for the Lord. You know. Anyways. Then he set judges in the land throughout all the fortified cities of Judah, city by city, and said to the judges, Take heed to what you are doing, for you do not judge for man, but for the Lord, who is with you in judgment. And that's so beautiful. I mean, we really get to get into the heart of God and what he thinks about judges and how they are to judge. You are judging, the Lord is judging through you. 
And, and uh, that's what we're told in Romans 13, right? That that authority is there. They bear the sword for the Lord. They bear it. Now, there's a lot of heathenistic judges, obviously, in our country. We're fighting and praying on our knees. God, give us some righteous judges. Turn their heart in favor of more godly policies in our in our country, right? Or judgments, not policies, but judgments. So, you know, but this is what it, they're supposed to be. They're supposed to take heed to themselves on what they're doing and know that they judge for the Lord. Now, therefore, let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take care and do it, for there is no inequity with the Lord our God, no partiality, no taking of bribes. You know, God prevents all that crooked judge stuff. But we can use it in a practical sense within our homes, can't we? God has given us various roles of leadership, parents, fathers, mothers, grandparents, uncles, older siblings to younger siblings. Should we not judge rightly amongst ourselves? You know, I feel like I'm a full-time judge at home between Olive and Tobiah. You know, they, they go at it sometimes, you know, and sometimes I'm so tired that my discernment is, is kind of like on just nowhere to be found. And I literally, you know, will just to myself kind of get away and just put my head down or whatever. And then, Lord, give me wisdom to find out which one of these kids are doing right and doing wrong. All right, Olive and Tobiah, come here. <laughs> it's like jumping off a cliff. Tell me what has happened. You know, and then and it's like you're like a judge. And the Holy Spirit, you know. Does he speak? If not, give me a minute. And come back and say, all right. And, you know, wisdom of Solomon, it just comes, Holy Spirit. But we're to judge rightly. You are to judge rightly. The Bible has so much to say about judging rightly. He who who pleads his case, or he who states his case first, seems right, the Bible says, until his neighbor comes and examines it. Right? There's always two sides to every story. And a lot of other things. But anyways, judges are to be fearful of the Lord. They are to take care and do it, for there is no inequity with the Lord or God, no partiality, nor taking of bribes. Moreover, in Jerusalem, for the judgment of the Lord and for controversies, Jehoshaphat appointed some of the Levites and priests and some of the chief fathers of Israel when they returned to Jerusalem. So those judges were placed in outlining uh, cities, but then he, he, he got the Levites and the, the priests and the fathers to deal with the capital, the Jerusalem. So that would be sort of like their Supreme Court, right? That, that's what he's setting up here. And he says to them in verse 9, And he commanded them, saying, Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord. Man, that's a good word for all of us. Thus you shall act in the fear of the Lord, knowing that the Lord is always with you and I, looking at us with loving eyes. And we don't want to hurt his feelings. We don't want to break his heart. He's been so good to us. So we want to behave in a way that is pleasing to him, faithfully and with a loyal heart. A loyal heart to God brings makes a loyal judge and a good judge. A loyal heart as a Christian to God makes a loyal and faithful Christian. You might be saying to yourself, it takes a lot. It does. Thus, we are spiritually poor. 
We need a lot of Jesus to be faithful and to have a loyal heart. We need a lot of Jesus to be able to judge righteously. So we don't just say read the word for no reason. We say read the word for a lot of reasons, and one of them is to judge rightly. You're stunned at the lack of discernment in some people. It's like, man, I must be a terrible Bible teacher if sometimes I think. When I visit other churches, of course. (laughs) But yeah, more Bible, better discernment. More prayer, better, better discernment. Whatever cases come to you from your brethren who dwell in their cities, whether of bloodshed or offenses against law or commandment, against statutes or ordinances, you shall warn them. What's that? Can we say that one together? You shall warn them, lest they trespass against the Lord and wrath come upon you and your brethren. Do this and you will not be guilty. In other words, if these judges were, would not warn them, the people of, of, of doing wicked, they would be responsible for that. That goes back to Ezekiel 3.18, and I think I referred to it on Sunday or whatever, but, you know, it's up to us as Christians to, yes, warn somebody of their wicked ways if they're around you and you have an opportunity and the Holy Spirit is leading you. If you don't warn them, it shows that your courage is not there. That, I mean, that's if you even recognize it, okay? We all are tired. Sometimes we just... Don't get it. But like when we get it, we know, hey, they just told me they're they're living wrong. They're in sin and and they're very, you know, um, open in our conversation. And you know it. You gotta tell them, you know, that isn't good in God's eyes. You gotta, you know what I mean? Because God's allowing that so that you can say something, warn them. A good minister will teach half the time and warn the other half. John Corson said many years ago, warn, give a warning for who? For the Lord. From what? From sin. And from what? The impending judgment. Speaking of judges in court, the whole world has a court date with God. You know, I just got summoned for jury duty. Can you see my I'm enthused? But anyways... I just tell them where we're from and what we've been about, Gabriel, in the past, and they dismiss me every time. (laughs) The criminal's like, yes, I want him. (laughs) Uh, No, they don't. But it's interesting, huh? Right? I'd probably go in there with scripture, with with prayed up, ready to go, and probably give, and they'll they'll throw me out because the package don't look good. Anyway. Warn them. And take notice, Amariah, the chief priest, is over you in all matters of the Lord, and Zebediah, the son of Ishmael, the ruler of the house of Judah, for all the king's matters. Also the Levites will be officials before you. Listen to this, guys. Behave courageously, and the Lord will be with the good. I mean, God wants us to be courageous. In the next chapter, we'll read about how Jehoshaphat feared. Armies will come against them. And it says that he feared, and so he set his heart to seek the Lord. The only remedy for fear, anxiety, worry, depression, is to seek the Lord. And if it doesn't work the first time, go back a second and a third and a fourth time. And if you have to like not eat for a day and spend the whole time praying, 
until, so for you to feel better. That's probably what God is calling you to do. Pray. Anyways, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would help us to bravely, courageously keep it, that we would be rich in our understanding that we've been saved, that we are rich in our contentment and satisfaction of with you in our lives, that we wouldn't idolize any people, any person, place, or thing, that we would just worship and idolize you, for you are worthy of all praise. And we just pray, Lord, give us courageous hearts and help us to have a good night's rest, ready for Sunday. Bless our church, bless your people. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweetheels.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We adore.